Hey guys, Drew and El Tato here. As everybody knows, there's a global pandemic going on. It's affecting a lot of people, but we want to still be here to ease your nerves and let's all get through this together. Yeah, people, we're going to have a lot of free time in the next few weeks, possibly months, and we want to keep putting out content for you. And I ha we had to learn a new skill to do this. So that's, you know, a good thing to do at a time like this is learn some new skills. And one of the things this pandemic's affecting is the movie industry and specifically the theaters. So since there's no new releases being shown in theaters because they're shut down, El Tato and I won't be able to review some of the films that were supposed to be released. But there are things being released on stream. Anyways, we thought that this would be a great time to get you guys involved, our fans, and we want to know what some of your favorite films are for us to discuss here on the podcast. So you can shoot those over to us at thebuffandtheblazer at gmail.com or shoot us a tweet at buffandblazer on Twitter, and maybe your film will get discussed here on the podcast and be featured on an episode. Yeah, and if you are going to send over anything, just make sure it's on a platform that we can get at, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all that good stuff. Not some uh, random torrent download or anything like that. And if the audio sounds like crap because we're recording remotely now, please let me know and I will work to fix it. But we put some work in trying to figure out the best option and let us know if it doesn't sound good at Buff and Blazer on Twitter or at thebuffandtheblazer at gmail.com. And one extra note, in your email, write the title of your favorite film in the subject line and just give us a short description on why you love the film, and we'll take it into consideration. But until then, you guys, stay safe out there, and stay healthy, wash your hands. And stay home, people. Eat all that box food. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to the Buff and the Blazer, episode 13. As always, I'm Drew, and I'm joined here with El Tato. Yo. And today, we are reviewing Onward, directed by Dan Scanlon, and it's an animated film from Pixar. So, as always, I want to go straight to you, El Tato. You actually got to see this in the theater. I did. It was the last film I saw in the theater before all this crazy stuff happened. What did you think coming out? Yeah, this was going to be the last movie. I saw it like two days before they closed the theater, I think. And I was me and my lady were the only people in the whole theater. But coming out, I was uh, not very stoked. I was expecting quite a lot more out of it, especially from the comedy side. And I was kind of disappointed coming out of the theater, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like visually the movie was really enjoyable and, and the story was, was kind of cool, kind of uh, cheesy in some ways, but it is a little kid movie. But it just fell so flat on the comedy. I was really expecting to laugh a lot just because I haven't seen a lot of these, you know, computer animation movies, but the ones I have seen have all been pretty funny. And I okay. wasn't laughing a lot at this one at all. Just out of curiosity, what can you remember what some of the like CG animated films were that you saw? 
So most recently I saw that, uh, what's it, Zootopia? Okay. With Jason Bateman, right? Yeah, so that's a Disney animation, not so much Pixar. Is that just like a straight cartoon? Because I remember it being like 3D-ish. I don't know. Yeah, no, the the days of, and I I was going to bring this up actually later, but the days of 2D animation are pretty much dead, unfortunately. And (laughs) I guess we can blame it on Pixar. Is it is it the same technology? Uh, it seems to be. Yeah, it's all computer animated. Okay. Most films now, even if they're not from Disney. For me, I thought this was just your typical Disney Pixar film. I liked it. The story I thought was it was a cute story. It was. I think it was aimed at a younger audience, which most of these are. But there are things in there I think that adults can take from. But I did enjoy. I enjoyed the. Enjoyed the story of the adventure and the two brothers. But yeah, the animation, of course, always looks amazing. It's uh, really beautiful to look at. And I liked the journey of the two characters and the adventure they go on. I don't know if it's my favorite Pixar film, but I I will say I I did enjoy it coming out. You said it's uh, cute at some point. Yeah. And that's the problem with it for me. It's too cute. Too cute. Too cute and too wholesome. Not I get you. Like not that the, the general story is, but I felt right. like they leaned into the cute and wholesome way too much and it could have been a lot more witty. Okay. I guess. Well, let's let's get into in the story a little bit because I want to ask you a little bit about that. So this this film definitely has a message. Did you have a problem with the message, or did you have a problem with the way they were trying to get the message across? No, I didn't have a problem with it. It's just I would have liked a a lot more maybe deeper, wittier stuff that wasn't just for kids in the dialogue of the characters in the story. The story itself is fine. It it has, you know, the perfect arc, and it's, it's fairly predictable, but... You can weave in a lot more uh, deeper messages for for other audiences in the in the dialogue. I feel like, and I felt like all the lines in the movie were just way too wholesome. I get you. Okay, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I I I hear where you're coming from. So for you, I guess they could have maybe been a little bit clever with the dialogue in terms of getting adults more on board with what they were trying to say. Yeah, cuz obviously this is a like aimed at kids age what 6 to 10. It's a pretty little kids movie. And all those kids are basically having to see these movies with their parents, and I felt like yeah. if I was a parent, I want to go see these cartoon movies and I want to get some some type of enjoyment out of it beyond just visually cuz visually it's very pleasing. And the animation's awesome. But the right. whole story just felt like every line was written so a six-year-old could get it and understand it. I get you. Okay, so for you, well, what aspect of the story in terms of the plot and maybe their journey throughout the film, was there was there a part of that you kind of enjoyed or, or one aspect of that that you enjoyed? Yeah, I loved, I liked the journey part of it. You know, I loved the, the old van and Guinevere Guinevere 
And I, yeah, I, I enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed a lot of the elements of the story. You know, the magic is cool. And, you know, the big message about that's wrapped in with the magic is cool. But it was the, it was really the dialogue that just I didn't dislike the story at all. You could have maybe gone a few different ways with it with some of the kind of uh, peripheral characters. Yeah. And I felt like it was just the story was a little too predictable, but it was enjoyable. And the journey they went on was cool. And I loved all okay. the van scenes, you know, driving around in that van. I liked all of that. Yeah, it's a it's a weird mixture of like it's a it's an, a quest adventure film, and it's a bit of like a bonding buddy film on top of this Indiana Jones element and Lord of the Rings. It's they combined all of this into this soup that they called Onward. I guess that's a so good I way to put it. Yeah. And I, I think I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of the dialogue and how things are spoken in the film. And I guess for me, I don't know if that's just for me, having been exposed to a lot of younger kids' films that are animated and Pixar films because, you know, I'm in a house full of nieces and nephews and these things are on all the time. So I don't know if I've just become accustomed to all this stuff. But to me, like, I guess in terms of the screenplay and the dialogue... That didn't really bother me as much as maybe it bothered you. But the the thing that really hooked me about Onward was the journey that the characters go on and the whole sort of idea that, you know, all these fantastical characters are the kinds of creatures you hear out of these fairy tales and they have their magic and basically they become modernized and technology comes in the way and then they kind of lose their magic. I thought that was kind of cool, and it it speaks a little bit to the times we live in now. Although I'd argue, like, <laughs> just with the things going on now, we're we're kind of being shoved into a new era in terms of technology. I really thought that was a clever clever way to frame these creatures we're all familiar with, like fairies and elves and things like that. And for me, what I loved the most was the adventure feel of the the whole film. Like, starting off, he has a brother, Ian, uh, voiced by Tom Holland. And then you have Barley, his older brother, voiced by Chris Pratt. And I loved how they kind of bond over this journey where they're following, like, a map. Something you'd get out of, like, Dungeons and Dragons. And they go on this journey, and you're following them throughout the whole story. I don't know. That just really stood out to me. And I'm not, like, a huge fan of Lord of the Rings or anything like that. I just... Anytime we can go on an adventure with a couple characters, I always find that really fun, fun to watch. And I com that's, I guess, why I compare it to Indiana Jones in that sense. I see what you're saying there, and I, I, I like all that aspect of the movie. It is a little strange that they do just kind of mash every fantasy character all into the same world. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the, the, the deeper message, probably, of the movie. Right. And maybe it just didn't really connect that well with me because, one, I don't have a brother, and, two, I had a father, and I still do have a father. <laughs> so it, maybe it just didn't really, like, hit home that hard with me. But I, I enjoyed the journey aspect of it. And it's funny you say you're not a Lord of the Rings fan. All the other things that you mentioned, like Dungeons and & Dragons and all that other stuff, I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. But I am yeah. a fan of Lord of the Rings. 
just because okay. I read the books as a little kid. Let me ask you this. Did you get, did, were there any kind of like little references to Lord of the Rings, even if they were minor, that you could pick up on? Well, that's that's kind of getting at the whole, maybe a big fault I see in the story is it's almost a very, it's, it, you know, the, the journey story is a story that's been told so many times. Right. Going back forever, man. And I felt like it was kind of biting a little bit, especially on the Lord of the Rings side of it. Okay. I don't know. I just, I felt like it was kind of biting at that, that main same storyline. Yeah. Just trying to squeeze out more of that same orange. Yeah. And then squeeze (laughs) out like some of the, the Tinkerbell characters that are like the biker Tinkerbells. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. You know, I just felt like they had all of these movies up on a wall. (laughs) <laughs> from the past pictures of all these characters and then just had the main journey storyline and it was like an ultimate just uh mishmash or mad lib of old stories and old characters <laughs> with like with like a modern twist on all of it you know but that's what right. it felt like to me it didn't feel very r- original at all i see okay okay yeah i guess See, I'm I'm a little different. So, to me, I thought that having the the magic characters become, I guess, modernized. I don't know if that's the right word to use here. I thought that was pretty original, at least in terms of an animated Pixar film, I guess. So they go into one of the restaurants that used to be like this really bustling, rough and tumble tavern back during the magic days, where people would go and get their quests and get all the the information they needed before they went on on these journeys. And it's become basically like the equivalent of a Denny's or something like that. <laughs> like things like that I thought were pretty, were funny. Like maybe, and I think I agree with you too. There's not a whole lot of moments in the movie where I laughed out loud at the jokes they were telling, but there were like elements of the plot and just the way they set the world up that got me just chuckling because I was like, oh, you know, it's, that's pretty funny. It's pretty clever. It's funny to see how they <laughs> juxtapose like the old magic world with this modernized new technological world they got going on. I, I thought that was, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Is, I don't know. Isn't that the same premise in that Zootopia movie though? All the animals have modernized and now they don't hunt each other. They all just work jobs. Isn't yeah, that, isn't I, that basically the same thing? That's what I'm getting at. I just felt like, oh well, I I think I've seen this before, but instead of animals, yeah. it's uh, you know fairy tale characters. Yeah, I guess that's that's in a similar vein too. Actually, that's interesting you mentioned that because I that didn't even cross my mind. But yeah, I could see where you're coming from. So yeah, it, I guess, I guess if you take that into consideration, this could seem a bit unoriginal. But I don't know. For me, it just it still worked. I don't know. And I've seen that Zootopia movie a million times. It was like there was a point, I don't know, when that came out, 2016, 2015, that that was on 24/7 in my house. I but, liked um, it a lot because it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I could I could see what you're talking about. The dialogue in that film compared to Onward, it's very witty. Yeah. So yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. You you might and, even start to change my mind a little bit here. And Sonic, bro. We just yeah. did Sonic. Yeah. Dialogue in that movie you. was awesome. 
I get you. But that's geared at an older thing, so I got to, you know, give him a break on that one. Okay, so aside from, from those elements, I think the other thing that I enjoyed were the characters of Ian and Barley and them spending time together on screen. And I loved how different they were. I loved how Barley was sort of the the older kind of slacker brother. He's very into, like, they don't say it flat out, but it, uh, it's basically Dungeons & Dragons, this, yeah. like, quest magical board game. He's, like, super into that. He's into the magic of the past. He's He knows a lot about it. And his younger brother, Ian, he's more of, like, he's just trying to fit in. He's trying to find his place. He wants, you know, he's trying to get friends over, and he just wants to fit in. And his brother, he just, they, they're completely opposite in terms of their personalities. And I, I enjoyed whenever they were on screen together, especially when they're in the brother's van, Guinevere. Like, those were some of my favorite moments. What were some of the characters that stuck out to you? Did you get any kind of the same feelings from the two brothers? Yeah, I really, like, I, I just felt let down with the potential because I loved when they were on screen together and their dialogue between each other. But I felt like they could have had, the, when they're being portrayed as having deep conversations with each other, Yeah, it's like just two can predict almost every next word. I really wanted Chris Pratt's character to be a lot funnier because visually he was really funny and the way the character is constructed. He's like the older brother that still lives at home and is just obsessed with the game. And that's really funny in itself. Right. And I felt like the interplay between him and Tom dialogue wise, there could have been a lot more like brother jokes at each other. And I felt like all the times that were meant to make you laugh was like, barley falling out of the van or stepping on you know like really kind yeah. of you know hit yourself kind of comedy yeah no i i could see i could totally see where you're coming from there yeah i don't know i there was something about and i guess i guess you could say too like the way they they set up their characters in the beginning it is a bit predictable like they're so different in the beginning that you're expecting them to bond like it's essentially a a, a journey of bonding for them I guess. And yeah, they totally bring that point home at the end, which, you know, we're not going to spoil this for you guys. Oh, but, so this is a, this is a no spoilers, right? Cause it came out like a week and a half ago or something. I think it came to streaming like today. Okay. Well, I still think it's new enough to maybe we can lay off some of the spoilers. Okay. I don't know. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the relationship and the arc of their relationship throughout the film, even though, yeah, I guess it is sort of, cheesy and wholesome in that way now that you (laughs) you're really like starting to change my mind on this now (laughs) but as is the way things go um (laughs) did you were you aware of some of the other voice actors in this film though like no i was i was thinking the whole time trying to put my finger on it i i knew chris pratt's voice right and uh ever i had no idea that uh julia louis dreyfus was was uh the mom Laurel. So she was, I had no idea that she was Laurel either. And I watch a lot of Seinfeld, man. (laughs) I watch like probably 10 to 12 episodes a week. Yeah. And I had no idea it was her. And then I was trying to figure out who Colt Bronco was, Mel Rodriguez. Uh huh. And I couldn't figure out 
at all, and I don't know. I've no, I don't know if I'm aware of Mel Rodriguez, but the whole time it was kind of bugging me because I was trying to figure out who was who. Yeah, and then of course we have Octavia Spencer as the Manicore, and she was a pretty main character. But I thought her character was super cool. Yeah, she she played a great character. Um, and then someone that's a veteran cast member, I guess, on the Buff and the Blazer podcast, Ali Wong was in this too. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. Looking at it. So, yeah, she makes another appearance on a film we're reviewing. But I thought, across the board, every actor they cast did a great job and, and I thought fit their characters really, really well. Like Tom Holland, <laughs> him as Ian, that was, I, I thought, perfect casting. Chris Pratt did a great job of playing the older, like, slacker brother. And like you said, I didn't even recognize Julia Louis-Dreyfus as a Laurel Lightfoot. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Across the board, Disney always finds a way to get great casts in these animated films, and I thought they all kind of did a, sounded really good. Would I know anything that Tom Holland has been in? Well, you haven't watched a whole lot of the Marvel superhero films. Okay, so he's a superhero guy. Yeah. Well, let's, let's try this. If you had to guess which superhero Tom Holland played in the Marvel Universe, who would you say he played? Uh, just a guess off the top of your head. Uh, fuck, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm like trying to figure out which superheroes are in which universe. Is yeah. he like an X Men? Is he like one of the one of the X Men? No, he's not one of the X Men. Oh, there's my guess. He's not okay. uh, Cyclops. Not Cyclops. All right. So Tom Holland plays Spider Man. Oh, okay. In the MCU. Okay. And I don't know if you can if you can catch that but but Spider-Man in the MCU totally pulls off this like teenager. He they go for the younger Spider-Man and less of the the adult the the man-child version of Spider-Man. They go way more for like he's a teen kid and he goes to high school and he's also Spider-Man. He just does a great job as Spider-Man. Oh, cool. Is that one and of the then, the newer ones? Yeah. So Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man. Oh, can't remember off the top of my head now. It's bugging me. But anyways, um, <laughs> he's not the only one playing a superhero, though. Chris Pratt is also in those Marvel films. Really? Yes. What what superhero is he? Let me do we want to play the same game. All right. Yeah. Give me your best guess for uh, Chris Pratt's superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I know too many Marvel Marvel characters, man. Well, you can count out Wonder Woman, so there's a hint. He's not a Superman. Or is that... He's not a Superman. Uh, is he a villain? No. Oh, I have no idea. Okay, so he plays this character called Star-Lord, and he's in this film called Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like an ensemble superhero cast. Oh, I've heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't know that was uh, part of the whole deal. I was thinking like X-Men... Yeah. Spider-Man, Superman. And then I dip into DC and then my brain gets all scrambled and I can't figure <laughs> out what's what. But yeah, it makes sense for these guys. I mean, they're Marvel guys. They're in the Disney under the Disney umbrella, so of course Pixar is going to go come and do some voices for us. But yeah, just for everyone out there, I meant Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. I actually do really love these films. It's just sometimes my brain, it just it won't work on the spot, but 
I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> they're too. They're they're familiar with each other. They've worked on the Avengers films together. So I don't know if you had any sense of chemistry, but I thought both of them really meshed really well in the film. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with their familiar familiarity with each other already. Yeah, I got that. Their their chemistry was good, and all the, like I said, all the all the scenes and everything with them together are enjoyable and all the characters really are are enjoyable they're almost funny just in the way they look like i love yeah. colt bronco's character <laughs> he's just yeah. you know the centaur right and i love how he's like comes in to sit at the kitchen table and he's knocking shit all over the place and has to push the chair back for his ass to sit on it yeah. And then he still stands with his front two legs. Right. I thought that was all really funny. And and I think that has something to do with why things fell short for me because all the the voices were great with the characters. They all seemed to fit well in terms right. of the whole storyline. But I thought they were so visually funny that it kind of that they they felt like when they were making the movie that they can make the dialogue right at a six-year-old just because visually everything's funny. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. I get you. I mean, yeah, now I'm, I'm totally starting to see where you're coming from. My, my lady didn't like it at all. Really? Yeah. Okay, wow. She was like, man, that was, that was like not funny. She said the same thing when we walked out. <laughs> She's like, that was really kind of boring. Okay, man. Yeah, well, you're 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 starting to convince me a little bit here. Um, I, it, I don't need to convince you. You can like no, the movie; no, no. it's fine. No, I mean I still do like it. I'm I'm just saying you're probably bringing me down half a point now. <laughs> but um, I'm the equalizer. Yeah, you are. I do want to get back to the the look of the characters, though. I absolutely love the look of Barley. Like if you put the look of barley in his voice like that's how i picture someone sounding i guess all right that's how when i hear someone like that that's how i would expect them to look like <laughs> they just did a really good job i loved how they gave him like the the jean vest and with all the patches and the cut cut off shorts and his beanie <laughs> like i really liked how how he looked he was probably my favorite character in the film yeah, me too. And he's got a cast on the whole time. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, Guinevere, the van, like, she's almost like a character in herself. No lines or anything, but he loves his van so much. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I almost got, like, sort of a Wayne's World vibe, too. It's kind of <laughs> weird. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I really, I, could see that. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Before we go too deep into the characters, what did you make of where this whole story ended up at the end? Yeah, so I thought that was interesting because so the plot of the film really kind of it literally circles back and also the arc of the two characters I guess circle back. So not only do you have the characters going on a certain arc, but the story in general and the journey aspect of the film end up in sort of a loop. And I thought that was interesting without spoiling anything. I'd say the ending, for me at least, was pretty bittersweet. And I guess that's something that I predicted. So 
I predicted that they'd end up where they, I guess, where they end up in the, towards the end of the film in terms of the resolution with their father. But I wasn't sure if they, if the directors were going to do it that way, if that makes sense. So like I saw the, the story ending that way in terms of the two brothers and what happens with their father at the end. But I wasn't sure if they were going to actually go for it and do it because it is kind of bittersweet and sad. I don't know how you thought about it. Well, I think that's probably a strength for me is is how they ended it because it's not the perfectly wholesome. It's like the entire movie's wholesome and predictable, and then the ending is not bad, but not the the super predictable ending. So I appreciated that, and it kind of does a good thing to tie the whole loop together at the end of the yeah. movie. How he you know realizes the importance of his brother, you know, in the absence of his father kind of stuff. Right. So I appreciated that ending, that it wasn't just exactly what the happy ending would have been. Right, because they could have wrapped it up in a bow, like, and totally gone full Disney mode on you. But that's why I said, I guess, I I saw where it was going, but I wasn't sure if they were going to do it. And so I was I was pretty stoked when it happened. But yeah, that's I think that is like you said, that's one of the strengths of the story is I am I am glad they they ended it on that note. And it it does really serve kind of the message that they were trying to deliver, I guess. Yeah, and it, it wraps everything up nice. Yeah, and then I guess too that that also contributed to why I enjoyed the brothers so much. And I guess I'm in the same boat with you. I don't I don't have any brothers. Mm. So I got three sisters, so I, I don't have any kind of and you got a dad <laughs> too, to this. and I have a dad, <laughs> so I can't really relate to to the story. But I mean, I could I could put myself in in their shoes and understand how maybe someone who who grew up without a father would want to know more about them, especially if you know their father passed away or whatnot. And that's actually something I guess I was watching an interview with Dan Scanlon, the, the director. And he did lose his dad at a young age. So for him, this story, writing it, because he also co-wrote it, this was something that directly affected him. And it was a story that he wanted to tell because, you know, it came straight from straight from his heart and the gut. And I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, and you can tell it's that kind of movie, right? Yeah, and I guess, too, I, I could see people who come from those circumstances and have experienced similar circumstances i i could see this being a film that that pays off for them i guess that they appreciate maybe more than i mean i i really enjoyed it but they would be able to get, take something away from it that i wasn't able to i guess or i didn't connect with as fully as someone in those circumstances yeah i could see this landing with fatherless boys all over the world like landing really well with them you know and kind of yeah. teaching the lesson to you know, love the people who are around you and and all that kind of good stuff. But Yeah, or even just kids without a parent period. Like Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it's not gonna land for everyone, you know? No. <laughs> like it, it could it could uh, touch a lot of people and that's great. But it Yeah, didn't, no. It didn't touch it didn't land with me super hard. Yeah, no. And I mean that's what's to be honest, that's what's cool about movies is like 
Yeah, but it doesn't have, have Rotten to, Tomatoes. You know? Yeah, this film has, what, an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes? That means, like, 87% of the critics that reviewed this film gave it a positive review. And, you know, even a film like this, there are still going to be a bunch of people that it didn't work for. And that's the great thing about, I guess, the subjectivity of film. That's why that's what makes it so fun, and that's why we have a podcast. <laughs> you know, so I've never looked at this Rotten Tomatoes website before. Okay. But now that we're working from our computers, I can look at all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Um, the top critics is down to seventy-two percent. Okay. Right. With an average, what six point five rating? But yep. what I don't get about Rotten Tomatoes, why does it hold so much weight? Because the Sample size is so small. I mean, even the even the audience score is only you know ten thousand. Right, only and like I 10, think ten thousand people. Like, oh, I don't understand why they carry so much weight if their sample size is so tiny. Can you explain that to me? Well, so they're really the only ones even doing a sample size. I guess that's the main reason. Like before, I guess Rotten Tomatoes, you would just go out and read like reviews separately on their own. But this was really as far as I know, this is one of the only aggregators okay. of critics. And like a typical, I guess, pool or a number that they get for it to be fresh is like over 100 or something like that. So if they can get over 100 reviews in the positive, that's a fresh score. But okay. yeah, like on average for like a big blockbuster film, like your Marvels and your Star Wars films, they'll usually aggregate like 300 plus reviews. The only time I, I find Rotten Tomato scores useless and just funny is when like it'll have, you know, a Rotten Tomato score of ninety five percent or something out of like ten reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then th your sample size just doesn't mean anything. But just looking from the audience, they all seem to love it too. I mean it's a difference of one percent between the the verified audience and the whole audience. Yeah, and they're getting better, too, because, like, before, any random person could go on, even if you never saw the film, and just post a review and a score. Oh. So this verified audience score is a lot, I guess it's a lot more meaningful, because I don't know exactly how they do it, but they try and verify that you actually saw it. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. But, yeah, so it currently holds an 87%, but top critic rating of 72, which is still not bad. And I that's probably where I would put this film anyways, in the 70 percentile range. Yeah, like it's a good movie, but it's, it's not an awful movie, but it's... No. It's for kids, you know? I'll put it that way. I'm an adult. I don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch, I've watched a few kid movies here and there, but movies like Onward are the reason I, I generally don't watch kid movies. Okay, all right. So... Let me ask you this then. I'm just real quick because I, I I'm curious. I'm going to just blurb off a couple of Pixar titles, a few Pixar titles, and I'm just curious to know if you've seen any of these films. Okay. So you have, like, obviously you have all the Toy Story films. I've seen the first one when I was, like, I don't know. When when did the first one come out? Probably around, like, 95, 96. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I, was, I think I was, like, 10 or 11 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just the first one. I haven't seen any of the others. Right, okay. So, yeah, and then, like, not to go too much off on a tangent, but Pixar, I mean, I think Toy Story is really what put CGI animation on the map, and I guess Toy Story was really, like, the 2D animation killer. Like, I don't know if you noticed, there's no 2D animation anymore. 
At least not in the movies. Yeah, I was going to say on TV there's plenty. Yeah, but like in terms of theatrical releases, at least from everything that I've seen, it's like 99% CG animation. Hmm. And South Pixar Park needs to make plays. another movie. Yeah. But they <laughs> yeah, can, they, they can... even do 3D now sometimes in some of the episodes. Right. So you have that. Have you heard of a film called Ratatouille? Oh, yeah. Wasn't Patton Oswalt? Yeah. The guy? I haven't seen it. At least I believe so. But I, I like his yeah. stand-up. Yeah, so Ratatouille was that's that's Patton Oswalt. That was that was one. They have The Incredibles, Finding Nemo is another Pixar film. Okay, I remember Finding Nemo. Yeah, Wall-E, Monsters Inc. Mon- I remember Monsters Inc. That, okay, so you've seen I, that a movie few of these. seems witty in my memory. Yeah, and it is pretty witty. And to be honest, it it's super adult because that film is centered around a bunch of adult monsters. <laughs> But yeah, and then you have Up, you have Cars. Probably my favorite Pixar film, bar none, is Coco. I don't think I've seen anything up to that quality as of yet from Pixar. Coco was like what's, a slam dunk. What's Coco? It's a film set in like Mexico, and it has to do with Day of the Dead. And it's like it's just a really great story. At some point, we could probably even do an episode on it. Why but not? Yeah, Sounds just, sweet. I bet yeah, the... the... All the makeup and the costumes for, what oh, is it, it's Dio de los Muertos? Yes. It's just gorgeous to look at. Yeah, I'll watch that. Is it funny, though? I don't know. I don't know if it's funny for you <laughs> or not. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because, yeah, there were there were parts of Onward that I found pretty funny, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, so, that, yeah, that, that was I was just curious. Yeah, all that Pixar talk is good segue into the look of the movie, you know? Right. And that's where the movie was great for me. I absolutely loved it. I loved all the little mushroom houses. I loved all the characters. I loved the van driving scenes. I yeah. absolutely loved it. And this just popped into my head. You mentioned Indiana Jones. This, yeah. The scene towards the end of the movie with the drawbridge. You think that's an original idea? <laughs> no, I mean... No, so- <laughs> that's that's exactly what I thought of when I saw that. I was like, Last Crusade? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally oh, the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But visually, the movie's awesome. I love the freaking giant concrete foundation dragon. Yeah. And I love how it's like, it's really cool how it's almost like a magnetic ball of evil. That sucks yeah, that all the stuff cool. to it. I I thought visually all that stuff was was really cool, and the magic was 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 really cool. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. When are our video games gonna look that good? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even really know what video games look like these days. I was playing 2K for the first. I've never played a PS4, and my buddy has. Uh, he bought 2K 2019. Because it was yeah. only like ten bucks, and you can't play online, I guess. Right. When you have the previous year, but I was playing that, and it was really entertaining. I don't <laughs> think it was as crisp as a movie like this, but sports-wise, the video game looks super real. Yeah, I mean, Pixar. Pixar has to be the best animation house, I think, in the industry today. I, I, there's a lot of studios and movie houses that are getting good at it and they're really improving but i don't think anyone beats pixar in terms of the quality of the animation 
And for me, like my favorite shots in any Pixar film, for whatever reason, are the the really long landscape shots of any kind of scenery. Yeah, they're just always gorgeous. Like when they were out on the quest, and you'd get these like really wide framed sweeping landscape shots of the terrain. I love those. Yeah, with all the giant ravens pointing the yeah. way, like the giant stone ravens. I loved all that. Yeah, that was, I mean, I love shots like that. But for me, <laughs> interesting, My, fa- I think my favorite scene visually is actually when, they're, when Guinevere breaks down, or not breaks down, but they run out of gas, and they have to go through kind of the sketchy part of town. <laughs> and it's, it's lit at night, and they got to go into the gas station. Something about like the colors and the lighting of that scene, I really liked how that was done. I, I don't know. Visually, it was just really pleasing, that whole sequence. My favorite visual sequence is, is kind of just after that, after they figure out their gas situation. Yeah. And then they go kind of on their, their true epic journey. Right. At the end, and all the scenes where the van is driving and the and the camera or not camera, but like the frame is is panned out really far. Right. I I loved all of that. Yeah, it that was, was like really so cool. pleasing to watch. Like I, I I get what you're saying. Like I wish that was a video game. Yeah. They could probably make an onward video game with all kinds of different uh, options to go on the route, and that would be cool. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if they could get computer games or console games to look anywhere near the quality of these Pixar films. That would be awesome. But like, like you, I'm not much of a gamer. Like literally the last game I played was Sonic the Hedgehog, (laughs) like the Sega Genesis version of it. But yeah. And one thing I did want to want to hit on though, is uh, another really cool part of this film is I loved how the design of the buildings, how they, how they mixed the old architecture with new modern like home style architecture. So in Ian and Barley's house, like I like how there's elements of like the woodwork and stuff that looks like it's straight out of like the Shire from like Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you picked up on any of that. Yeah. I liked, I loved all the mushroom houses. Like the suburbs were all giant mushroom houses. Yeah. I liked that a lot. And then you go inside and it's totally like a, like a modern suburb house yeah and then but like they, even like, inside you see like details yeah little things right stuff that is like that that they're getting the message across that it's like it's not that far in the past but it is in the past yeah like i'm trying to remember i think it's the front door of their house even looks like it's off of one of the the houses in lord of the rings or something <laughs> like from the shire i i don't know i just thought that was really really cool and then obviously i loved another scene i really enjoyed was the whole sequence in the restaurant with the manticore yeah like (laughs) that was really really cool yeah i liked her a lot she was always like when she's riding in the car with with uh, laurel the mom right and it's like just she's so huge that it's just the cars just riding completely flat on one side (laughs) it's so funny yeah see and i think going back to the humor of it i guess i caught myself laughing at more of sort of the visual sort of like it's so ridiculous it's hilarious yeah 
And and it's not because it's ridiculous that they weren't trying to be ridiculous. It's it's funny because they're actually trying to visually look ridiculous. And I guess that's why there were a lot of moments where I just came out and laughed because it's funny to see. Yeah, and like the goofiness, the falling over. There's a lot of that kind of comedy in the movie and a lot yeah. of visual comedy. Right. But I felt like the, you could have had plenty of, like the Colt Broncos character. You could have had every line that he says in the movie be, just be completely hilarious and witty. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was it was just like the cheesy stepdad stuff, you know? Right, right. No, I, I totally hear you. And I guess, I guess you can say out of a lot of these Pixar films, maybe this one feels like it is geared more towards an audience of a younger age. And I guess you could say maybe the same thing about like cars or something, or maybe even, I don't know. I, I guess a lot of them do have adult elements though. Have you seen but anyways, like, any of the Lego movies? Yes. Are they good? I love the Lego movies. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, my friend who has two young boys told me that the Lego movies are hilarious for adults. And I would agree with him. And he's like, the kids will love it too, but he's like, they're they're just awesome for adults too. And that's yeah, kind of like the expectation different. I had of this movie. I see. I get you. Yeah, so if you were going in expecting something like that, then I could see how you were just like kind of let down. Mm. And I guess I'm just I'm so familiar with Pixar that maybe I didn't go in with that kind of expectation. But yeah, the like the humor that you get in like a Lego movie is something completely different. And that is like very funny for adults too. Nice. Yeah, that'd be a great film to review here too. We got time. Yeah. We're gonna have a lot of time on our hands pretty soon. <laughs> What'd you think about the score in the movie? I don't remember too much. Yeah, so I, I actually did remember quite a bit of the score in this film. And one thing I liked was there was a lot of um like they didn't take popular songs and stick them in but they did do a lot of popular musical elements. So on top of like a standard orchestral score, they included like little pop beats with like guitar, electric guitar, a drum set, like even times heavy metal during some of the sequences with, with Guinevere. I like those. But yeah, Jeff Dana and Michael Dana, they did a great job of scoring the film in terms of like, highlighting the emotion but also just giving kind of a a nice mixture of both classical and more modern sounding elements i don't know the score really worked for me and i thought it, it complemented a lot of the scenes really well yeah i don't remember too much of it but i remember the metal and the van action the rock and roll element i like that part of it and i feel like when the when the little biker fairy chicks were chasing them around there was like metal playing yeah. Around that part of the movie. And I enjoyed that. The music didn't bother me at right. all. I don't got any major problems with it. It was entertaining. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. Because there are a lot of times where they're having like a heart-to-heart -heart conversation and score comes in. Does any of that, and it, it can be in this film or just in general, are there, does score help underline some of those emotions for you in general, I guess? Those emotions... Uh, are usually parts of the movie where I like adjust my seat and then just <laughs> wait for it to be over. <laughs> you know, it's okay. just, I'm not that into the, to the, you know, the triumph of a 
digital character <laughs> and the emotional growth of them. So I just besides kinda, Sonic, besides Sonic, of course. Well, Sonic has it like like I give back to Sonic. It lands with me because I, yeah. I have a connection to it. In right. this movie, there's I don't have any connection like that, or am or am lacking that. I guess I should say. So it's just like yeah, I don't even notice the music. I I just assume it's like cheesy, drawn up orchestral music when when they're having those kinds of deep conversations. Right. I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude. So what'd you love and what'd you hate about the movie? All right. So for me, I guess, hands down, I loved the adventure aspect of the movie. I loved the two brothers. I liked their arc and I liked spending time with them on the journey. That's what was the most, I guess, interesting to watch for me. Like I, I liked all of the adventure and their chemistry, and I like their relationship and where they ultimately end up at the end. One thing, not so much that I hated about the film, but one thing I thought was kind of, I didn't really buy into a whole lot was uh, Ian. I felt like Ian went from a character that didn't know anything about magic, didn't care to know anything about magic, then all of a sudden he becomes like a wizard. I didn't really buy that, and that was kind of something that didn't stick with me in the film. But again, it's not something that I like absolutely hated. It's just something I that I picked up on, and I'm like, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, his but, his graph of skill was like a, like a climate change graph, just straight up. Yeah, like he went from <laughs> a one to a nine, like in a matter of thirty minutes. <laughs> but yeah, what about you? So what I loved about the movie was visually. I mean, it's it's so pleasing to watch these. Uh, these digital animations they're so cool like even the characters have so much texture right like like their hair and it's just getting so good and i really enjoyed that and what i hated about the movie was it let me down on the on the comedy dialogue okay because it was physically very funny you know so like it was really funny physically but it led me down on the dialogue, and I, I didn't like that about the movie. I get you. All right, well, this is that time of the show that everyone's waiting for. What rating do you give Pixar's Onward? I give it two bong loads. Two bong loads. Yeah. So All what right. was the last movie that we did? Invisible Man or Parasite? Something like that? Parasite. Parasite. All right, throw Parasite out. Throw out the outliers. So... <laughs> My reasoning for two bong loads is I would consider this movie in terms of like the casting and the entertainment value. Yeah. To be good movies. But when I saw Invisible Man and came out, I was just met my expectations. Okay. Okay, so that's a three for me. So that's what I gave it. And this gotcha. movie kinda let me down a little bit. So it's a good movie. It's made well. All the casting's perfect. Visually, it's really good. The story's super predictable, but it, it's it's not horrible. I feel like they, you know, kind of bit a lot of things from a lot of different things. Right. And then the, the letdown of the dialogue. So that's why I knock it down one. All right, fair enough. For me, I'm going to give this film three and a half buckets of popcorn. All right. I thought that in its DNA, it was a Pixar film. And I thought that 
while it maybe didn't play to as wide a variety of age ranges as some of, of Pixar's earlier films, it still pretty much had like a solid message and it got the point across. And I would say though that it is geared more towards a younger audience. And this is a film that I think kids would really get something out of and would really enjoy. So yeah, three and a half buckets of popcorn for me. I think it's uh it's something it's a good film that you would be able to take your kids out and watch. I mean, don't take them out right now, but once this thing gets really streaming, it'd be something to put on that the kids would really like, I think. I think it's I think they released it today or or tomorrow, something like that. Okay, yeah, and we're recording this as of the 20th. The 20th of March. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we have to say on Pixar's Onward. Like we said, if if it's on streaming, you can go catch it, I think, on pretty much any major streaming platform that you can purchase films from. I'd say generally I, this would be a great film for kids, and I think they'd, they'd really enjoy it. For me as an adult, I there were aspects of it that I enjoyed, but it's not going to work for everyone. And, that's and it doesn't have to. Films. It doesn't have to. That's, that's why, fine. That's why we're here discussing this. If everyone just agreed, that'd be like... The most boring podcast ever. Exactly, and Pixar don't isn't making movies for you know thirty four year old dudes with no <laughs> kids, and so that's fine. It doesn't have to be yeah. a great movie for me. Don't take my recommendation if you have kids. Yeah, take them to and see it. You don't have to take my recommendation either. Don't see it. Whatever <laughs> you guys want to do. <laughs> All <laughs> options open. All options on the table. So yeah, that's what we got for you. This is episode 13 of The Buff and the Blazer. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. And make sure you guys stay safe out there, stay calm, and we're all going to get through this. Just take a deep breath and do the best you can. And stay home, people. Peace. Hey, everybody. Drew and El Tato here from The Buff and the Blazer. And we just wanted to take a quick minute to say thank you to you, our listeners, we're so happy to, that you guys have come to the podcast and are enjoying it. And this is what makes it fun for us and what keeps us going to produce these shows for you guys. Yeah, people, I lost a bet to Drew. I thought we were going to be under 100 after like three months of doing this, and we're coming up on 800. So we just want to say thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And all the people around the world, we got like 21 countries total of people that are listening. So thank you so much. Yeah, and we could go down the list and name every single one, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to thank all of you across the globe for sticking with us and listening to our podcast. And we want you guys to go out and spread the word. If you're enjoying our content, tell your friends and family. You know where to find us. We're at thebuffandtheblazer at gmail.com, and you can tweet us at buffandblazer on Twitter. Or if you have access to just a web browser, just go to the website thebuffandtheblazer.com you can listen to the podcast right there and uh, if you got any international movies as long as there's an English subtitles option let us know we'd love to review them we got plenty of free time on our hands coming up here in the next few months right and as we mentioned on the top of the show you guys can send in your favorite movies and we'll go through and see what we got and maybe we can pick out a couple for a few future episodes to review and discuss some of your favorite films well, yeah, we want to incorporate you guys into the show, especially during this time. I think it'd be great for all of us to kind of just chill out and get this community going. From me and El Tato, 
a huge thank you to all our fans and all our listeners. Thank you, people. Stay safe. Stay home. <laughs>